At Equipped, it's our goal to strengthen your faith. And we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program. But we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone. That's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So fired up that you joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very exciting and interactive edition of Equip. We're going to open up God's Word in just a few moments so that we can look at a passage of Scripture that I believe if you fully accept and and really apply to your life will transform the way you understand God, the way you understand yourself, and the way you're able to love people. That's a lot of weight to put on one passage, but that is the power of the Word of God. Before we go into our study for today, I do want to take a few moments out to just encourage you in a number of ways. Number one, I know yesterday was a huge day for our nation. It was a time where many of us went and expressed our our values, our faith in a freedom and a right that is afforded to us as Americans to vote. And oftentimes when that happens, the outcome that we hope to take place actually does. But sometimes the outcome that we don't want to happen, it happens. And so what do you do? Maybe you're waking up this morning or this afternoon going throughout your day and experiencing dueling emotions, some happiness in some areas, some displeasure in others. That's typical for all of us. So how do we approach a moment like this? Well, I want to encourage you and really in a pastoral way, remind you of a few things. The first thing I want to remind you of is that we do live in a fallen world, but yet God is sovereign. He sits on his throne over every square inch of created order. He declares mine, and he knows how to take those things that the enemy intends for evil to use it ultimately for his glory and for our good. What does that mean as it pertains to elections? It means that when we vote, we trust that the outcome is in God's hands. And even if things happen in a way different than what we desire or intend, that we trust that he is in control and that what is not disrupted, what is not hindered is his redemptive plan for the world. But the second thing that I want to remind you of is that our mission does not change. This doesn't mean that uh, voting and elections and 
who sits in office doesn't make a difference. It does not mean that what proposals uh, are approved or not approved, what referendums are voted in or not, addendums are supported or failed, that that doesn't make a difference. What it does mean is that our job description does not change. So what is your job description today? Well, it's the Great Commission. To go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Those were the words that Jesus gave to his disciples. He later on says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, that you are my ambassadors. You are called. You're my witnesses to go to, for them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to take the gospel to the world. Well, we are called to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, to go to the uttermost parts of the earth and our age with the gospel. So all that means is that today you're called to love God and love people. That's what you're called to do. So don't go throughout your day bitter. Don't go throughout your day angry. Don't look at those who believe different than you, vote different than you, as enemies to be defeated. Certainly, their ideas may be enemies that need to be defeated because we do know bad ideas have victims, and that is the painful truth. But the people, those very people who you would be disappointed in in the way that they voted, maybe even within your own family, are people that Jesus died for. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're not going to argue people into salvation. You're not going to yell people into salvation. You're not going to protest people into salvation. What the world needs from you and I is to persuade people concerning the lordship of Jesus Christ, his teachings and truth, and to invite them to put their trust in him. But we can't invite them to put their trust in him if we haven't done so. So today is a great day for us to prove to the world that we really do trust him. And people should see your joy even on a day like today, and ask you, what's the source of that joy? Where do you get that joy from? Aren't you watching everything on the news that unfolded? And you should be able to say, yeah, I've watched that, but I got a better report. His report says this this world is going to be healed. His report says that one day we're all going to be redeemed. His report says Jesus is Lord unelectable, unimpeachable forever and ever. So remember that and do not be discouraged. God is on the throne. And with that being said, I do want to encourage you to do two things right now. If you are a monthly partner, mark your date for November 17th. It's coming up right around the corner. We're going to talk about the Christian in politics because we need to understand how do we bear faithful witness in the aftermath of such a historic uh, midterm election? How do we engage in a way that honors God? What do we do as people uh, who follow the teachings of Jesus in the aftermath of this moment? So I want you to be a part of it. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to take your questions. 
going to hold off talking about it now because I got a great sermon message that I want you to hear. But today, I want to encourage you, register if you've not done so, and you're a monthly partner now. If you've not been a monthly partner, but you say, I need to be there, don't worry. Just dial this number, 888-644-4144. Learn how you can be a part of the Equipper family and how you can be a part of this upcoming Zoom webinar, The Christian and Politics And I promise you, you're not going to want to miss this one. It will be healing, freeing, and it will empower you to reach your world for Jesus as we leverage the politics of this world for the glory of God. Dial 888-644-4144. Also, I want to encourage you, if you've not already done so, to get equipped we're running a contest. It's the Equip Contest. It's a giveaway contest going through November 14th. Only a few days left. This is a special opportunity for you to get equipped this season with me so that you can grow spiritually, think critically, and live compassionately in your community. Here's what Moody Radio wants to do. We want to help to, we want to help to empower you to live out the gospel by equipping you with resources like a new app. Apple laptop. That's right. The grand prize winner gets a new Apple laptop, but that's not it. It's loaded with $500 worth of Logos software. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, you get a master class as well that's taught by one of our own Moody professors so that you can live your faith, defend your faith, share your faith more effectively to your neighbors, family, and friends. You might be asking, how do I enter? Well, go to uh, moodyradio.org. That's moodyradio.org. You can click on the Equip Contest, enter to win there. Now, there's runners-up prizes as well, and we're going to be inviting everyone who enters to take advantage of this moody and rich course on God, creation, sin, and civilization. It's going to be a life-transforming opportunity. So go now to moodyradio.org. That's moodyradio.org. All right, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about how the gospel might sound foolish to the world, but it's the greatest message that the world has ever known and how it can transform you and be used by God to transform the lives of others. You're going to want to grab your Bibles. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I promise you, you will be blessed when we return after this break. So don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Scripture reveals that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. But what do we do when life seems to hold more struggles than satisfaction and you realize that you aren't finding your contentment in the Lord? Dr. John Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, helps us find our way back to an abundant, joy-filled life in Christ. Get your copy when you support Equip this month. Call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org.
Get equipped with me, Chris Brooks, and grow spiritually, think critically, and live compassionately in your community. Go to MoodyRadio.org and enter for a chance to win a new Apple laptop. Grand prize winner will also win $500 in logoff software, a masterclass, and more. Now, runners-up will win an equipped t-shirt or the book, One Volume Seminary. Contest ends November 14th. For full list of prizes and to enter, go to MoodyRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Listen, if the program has been a blessing to you, can you prayerfully consider financially standing with us? We want to finish this year strong. Your gift of $100, $500, or $1,000 will help us to reach the next generation with the gospel. Dial the number 888-644-4144 or go to moodyradio.org. That's 888-644-4144. 4144 or equipradio.org. Listen, I promised you that we were going to go into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Paul is talking about the gospel, and he says that this message is a message of fools to the world, but to the glory of God it is a life-transforming message for you and me. So I want to encourage you, Open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and you're going to be blessed. I don't know about you, uh, but no one has loved me enough to lay down their life for me but Jesus. I've had plenty of people who have cared deeply for me, but only one who loved me so much that he laid down his life and paid the ultimate sacrifice. No greater love have a man in this than to lay down his life for a friend. Jesus today wants you to know that's how much he loves you. Today, I want to encourage you to receive that love. If there is one message that I want you to hear, it's that the cross changed everything. That we were trapped, all of us, in a cycle of failure and brokenness and defeat and sin. But freedom came through Jesus. And how many are grateful that he went to that cross, that he laid down his life, And that he rose again on that third day, that all power is in his hands. How many know that he is worthy of all of our praise, all the glory, and all the honor? Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Those those two words, thank you, they seem to not be big enough to express all that's in our hearts, but we want you to know we love you. We're so grateful for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. Thank you that today we get a chance to once again celebrate that the tomb is empty, that you're risen, and you're alive. Because you live, we live. Lord, it's been a hard week for many, for some. It wasn't easy even making it here today. But I pray, Lord, that everyone would sense that you're near, that you love them with an eternal and everlasting love. Bless us, Lord, that we might sense your presence. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, how many thank God for his word? How many thank God for the word? Amen. 
I want us to continue on in our series, uh, but I want to set some context. We've been in a series called Divided, which certainly captures the mood of the moment, the spirit of the age, the culture that we live in. We are a very divided culture. I think all of us can attest to that on every front, generationally, ethnically, gender, politics, wherever you find there's an issue, you will find that there is a spirit of division in our culture. And if we're not careful, it will seep within the church. And I believe that what we're looking at, what we've been studying in Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians, we've been studying how do we have unity? But I want to personalize a little bit more because maybe for you it's hard to think about how to keep the church united. Certainly for pastors, we think about that a lot. How do we keep the body of believers united in such divisive days? How do we find unity in a fractured world? But I want you to think about it on a personal level. And as I was preparing for this message today, I couldn't help but to think about what a difference a week makes. While I celebrate all the great things that I've testified to you about this morning, I also mourn with those who have gone through some severe trials over the last week or so. Life is not easy. It is difficult. It is hard. And one of the challenges of trials and difficulties when they come into our lives is if we're not careful, they will produce division, not just grief, but division within our families. I'll never forget when my wife and I went through what is no doubt the toughest trial of our life, the loss of our son, our oldest son, a little bit over three years ago now, hard to believe still. I remember how we grieved differently. I remember the tension in those days following his death, how uh, short I was with her, how much in grief she was. And, and I remember thinking to myself, if we don't get some help, I don't know if we're going to make it through. But yet God did see and help. And I praise God that in a couple of days, we're going to celebrate 25 years of marriage and God's sustaining grace and power. But I know that our enemy doesn't play fair. And I know that each one of you, if we were to pass the microphone around the room, has your own trial, your own challenge that you're facing. And the threat of a, a difficult moment, again, is not just grief. It's not just an overwhelmed heart. But it is the division, the isolation that fractures families and separates friends and causes there to be division within not just our world and culture, not just the pews of the church, but even within our homes. So the question that we have to deal with today is, where do we go to find wisdom? The wisdom that we need in order to remain united in a divided world, in the face of difficulties, in a moment that tempts us to separate, to divide, and to isolate. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. If you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is exactly what Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with a church that's up under a lot of cultural and societal pressure. To be a Christian in Corinth was not easy. Corinth was a city that was known not only for its affluence, but it was known also for its worldliness. It was a a city that was marked by hedonism, by the pursuit of pleasure. Anytime you have money and 
people who aren't connected or grounded in God, you're going to have all types of sins. Your, your mind obviously can imagine what type of immorality that was happening in Corinth. And if you were to read this letter and the subsequent letter, what we label uh, 2 Corinthians, you would see all type of gross immorality that was not just existing outside of the church, but was coming into the church. You see, the culture around us will begin to affect us if we don't have a proactive plan, an intentional plan to be grounded against those encroaching forces. And so Corinth, this young, burgeoning church, is feeling the pressure of being a Christ follower. And in the midst of all of this, and the cultural uh, pressure and and the moral displacement that they felt, Factions begin to form. Divisions begin to form. People within the church begin to turn on one another. And just to set the context, go with me to verse number 10. It won't be where we camp out today, but just a way of reference and remembering what Paul and why Paul had to write this letter. He says in verse number 10 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and of the, and of the same judgment. Now, the Apostle Paul, whenever he wanted to show that he was serious, whenever he wanted to show that this was no joking matter, whenever he wanted to carry heavy weight, he used this phrase, I appeal to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. There is no higher appeal. There is no greater authority. What Paul is saying is, I got to deal with something that is of the gravest level of seriousness, and that is your unity. That unity is not a luxury. Unity is essential. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced from the reading of Paul in the New Testament that the speed of the gospel spreads based on the strength of our unity. That when we're divided, we hinder the speed of the spread of the gospel. When we're having infighting and civil wars and divisions among us, when our homes are fractured and our churches are divided, then we hinder the spread of the gospel of Jesus in our communities and around the world. So Paul was right. He said, I plead with you, be united of the same mind and of the same judgment. But were they? Verse number 11 reveals a different story. He says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I love about Paul is that Paul doesn't do what many of us do. He doesn't play mind games with this group of people. He doesn't say, you know, somebody's been telling me. He doesn't say there's a group of people whispering behind your back. Let me just say to you that that is uh, such an unfair game to play. That if there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, have the courage to put your name on it. And if someone doesn't have the courage to put their name on an issue of complaint, then don't you feel the pressure to take up their cause. If we're going to deal with one another in integrity as brothers and sisters in Christ, then we have to be able to name not just our concern, but if we're going to reconcile, we have to name who's carrying that concern. He says it was Chloe. Chloe, one of the leaders of the church. Chloe, one of the influence is, is concerned about the state of the church. 
And so she's so concerned that her and others within her household write to Paul that the church is dividing. And how are they dividing? Verse number 12, what I mean to be more specific, Paul says, in other words, is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. Then he asks the most important question, is Christ divided? Let's not make that a rhetorical question. I want to ask you specifically, is Christ divided? Man, this this message is so important because it really does challenge us as Christians to fight for unity. That question, is Christ divided? Man, that's more than just a rhetorical question. In many ways, it is the question of our generation. What Satan wants to do, especially on a day like today, is divide us. And he doesn't care how he divides us. He's fine if he divides us across generational lines or ethnic or racial lines or voting lines or even theological lines. What he wants to do is just simply divide us. But if we fight for unity in Christ, those of us who are faithfully proclaiming the gospel then I promise you the gates of hell will not prevail. Listen, I want you to stay with us because when we come back, we're going to answer that question, is Christ divided? Is heaven divided? Is the Trinity divided? And we're going to help you to be able to answer that question as well. As we get ready to go into our break, I do want to remind you that today is a great day for you to financially support Equip. If Equip has been a blessing to you, can you do me a huge favor today? Go to our website, equipradio.org, or dial this number, 888-644-4144. We need your generosity if we're going to continue our mission of equipping Christians to live, share, and defend their faith. Your gift makes that happen. 888-644-4144. Much more to come next up on Equip. Equippers, thank you for your faithful monthly support. Please don't miss our Zoom webinar coming up next Thursday, November 17th, right after the program. You should have received an email detailing how to sign up for this interactive face-to-face meeting. If you are not an equipper and want to attend, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I hope you're enjoying this time of opening the Word of God together. You know, I am a passionate apologist. I want to see you defend your faith. I love seeing you share your faith, but you can't share and you can't defend what you don't first know. And so the first call of every Christian is to know the Word of God so that you can know God's will, His ways, his heart, so that you can share it and defend it with others. And so this is why we take time out periodically, and instead of interviewing guests, we let our special guests be the scriptures. And so we open them up, and we hear 
from the scriptures, the word of God, so it can shape our hearts and help us to live more faithfully on mission for him. Today, we're talking about what is the gospel and how do we unite around that so that we can reach the world for Jesus. So grab your Bibles as we go back into this great message, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. Let's be blessed. Answer the question, is Christ divided? Is heaven divided? Is the Trinity divided? No, Christ is not divided. There is no division in heaven. But yet, within the church, those of us who are his followers, from their time to our time, there have been divisions. Now, how did they divide themselves over personalities, over abilities and giftedness? Apollos was an eloquent speaker. Paul even admitted himself that when I stand before people, I'm soft-spoken or weak in speech, but I'm strong in the written letter. Paul was far stronger in his writing than he was in his public speaking. And then there's Cephas, which we call Peter, the elder statesman of the bunch, the anchor apostle, if you will, who wouldn't want to be associated with him. And some said, uh, I'm associated with Christ. And it was, it was all foolishness. Paul goes on to say to them in verse number seven, as they align themselves around who baptized them, he says, for Christ, I'm sorry, verse number 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul says, listen, I didn't die for any of you. Only one is worthy of worship. Let me just be clear. You will have many leaders in your spiritual life. There will be pastors and teachers who will pour into you. But how many know there is only one King of Kings, only one Lord of Lords, only one worthy of worship, glory, and honor, only one who died for you, who loved you, who demands your allegiance and deserves it. How many know his name is Jesus, the risen and resurrected Savior, worthy of our praise, worthy of the glory. And worthy of our allegiance to him and him alone. Paul says, no, there's only one message we preach. And this is the crux of my message today. This is where the wisdom for unity is found. It's in the message of Christ crucified. As a matter of fact, we're going to go into verse number 18 in a moment, but I want you to make note of this, is that God's wisdom and power are in the message of Christ crucified. The wisdom we need to be united in a fractured world, the power we need to stand against the forces of a divided culture, the power we need to endure difficult days and not fall apart or separate from one another, that wisdom, that power, is found when you and I commit and agree to submitting ourselves to the message of Christ crucified. If we don't agree to submit ourselves to the message of Christ crucified, then we will not stand together in unity. See, that's what unites us. Notice it's not our geography that unites us. It's not our shared ethnicity that unites us. No, our unity is not just skin deep. Our, our unity is not based off of political party or the philosophies of the world. Our unity is based 
off of something that is supernatural, something that defined all of human history, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As one theologian put it, if Christ is raised from the dead, then everything else is but a footnote. Everything else we are debating and fighting over is a footnote if Christ is raised from the dead. If Christ is raised from the dead, that means he forgave me of my sins. So if he forgave me of my sins, I can forgive you of your sins. If Christ is risen from the dead, that means grace has come. And if grace has come to me, freely I've received, freely I should give. If Christ has come, that means redemption and reconciliation has come to you. And if you have been forgiven and redeemed, then that same mercy that you have received, you should be willing to give. You see the resurrection of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, his death on the cross and his subsequent uh, triumph, it defines everything. It changes everything. Like C.S. Lewis once said, I believe in Christ for the same reason I believe in the Son, not just because I can see it, but because of it, I can see everything else. I believe in Jesus because I believe in the cross, because it's through the cross that everything else in life makes sense. I can't make it through divisions. I can't make it through difficult days. I can't make it through trials or tribulations and hold my family together, hold the church together, be united with my brothers and sisters in Christ unless I am submitted to the message of Christ crucified. Everybody with me? And so then Paul begins to contrast the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. Look at what he says in verses 18 through 20. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That's the first point, friends, is that the world's wisdom is foolishness. The world's wisdom is empty. The world's wisdom will lead us to perishing. Here's what Paul says. There's a choice that you and I have to make. Either we're going to follow the wisdom of God evidence through the cross of Christ, or we're going to follow the wisdom of the world. Now, he says that to those who are perishing, they've made their choice. The cross to them sounds foolish, so they have chosen to follow the wisdom of the world. And then he asks, but where have your philosophers ended up? I thought about that. I began to do a little research on some of the great philosophers of the modern age. How many have ever heard of Friedrich Nietzsche? Anybody ever heard of Friedrich Nietzsche? He's a, he's a German philosopher. I'm not encouraging you to read about him if you haven't learned about him, but if you know a little bit about him, you know that he rejected God. He lived in the 1800s. Here's the summation of his worldview. He says, there are no facts, only interpretations. There are no facts, only interpretations. That was his way of saying there's nothing absolute. Everything is relative. There's nothing that is concrete. Now, imagine living your life that way. 
It might lead you to insanity like it did to Frederick Nietzsche. He died a madman. He was absolutely insane. Why? Because that philosophy of life cannot hold up to reality. As a matter of fact, the statement is self-defeating in and of itself. How can you say as a fact that no facts exist? How can you say absolutely that everything is relative? The statement in and of itself is self-defeating. But Nietzsche, one of the great philosophers of our age, and here's the sad thing about it, many followed after him. Maybe if you've read literature, you know the name Oscar Wilde. Anybody ever heard that name before? He was an Irish poet and playwright. Here's what his worldview said. Everything in the world is about sex and power. Now, some of you may be tempted to say amen to that. Where does that leave you? Well, where it left him was sick and infirmed. He died ill of a sexually transmitted disease because he lived out his worldview. He prioritized pleasure as the highest pursuit. And when you prioritize pleasure as the highest pursuit, the thing that you pursue will ultimately be the thing that defeats and conquers you. He was lonely, he was isolated, he had no companionship at the end of his life. Why? Because he surmised that the ultimate pursuit of life can be boiled down to power, to my pleasure. Ayn Rand. Anybody ever heard of Ayn Rand before? Some of you have heard of Ayn Rand. She was a Russian-born American writer and philosopher. She says this, achievement of your own happiness is the only moral purpose in life. Achievement of your own happiness is the only moral purpose in life. In other words, YOLO. You only live once. Just do you. This was her philosophy. And the sad thing is, is that many follow her philosophies, read her books, applied it in academia. And where did it leave us? Whenever you prioritize the pursuit of pleasure over what is best for people, you are already empty and bankrupt. Decay and death are already settling in, and there is no way for unity to exist. What Paul is dealing with is the question, where do we find wisdom and power to stay united when the forces of this world are calling us to divide against one another? Make no mistake about it, if you are single and thinking about getting married, as soon as you get married, there will be forces from our culture that will constantly bombard you, telling you to divide and separate. At every front, at every problem, at every issue, at every downturn, in every valley, you'll feel that. Whenever you're a Christian wanting to work with other Christians to do something redemptive of good in the world, every time there is disappointment or misunderstandings, there will be pressure to divide. So where do we find the power for unity and the wisdom to survive that onslaught? Not in the world's philosophies, but in the foolishness of the cross. So friends, where do we get the power for unity in such a divided world? Uh, Let's be honest. The elephant in the room is that our culture is so divided. Social media has made that worse to pandemic isolations, lockdowns. That's made it worse to mass, not to mass votes, elections. All of that has brought tension. So how do we 
unite around the cross of Christ. Well, I can't do it without his power. Neither can you. We got to look to the cross, not only for salvation, but for unity as well. But I'm telling you, if we ever are able to embrace this, there's nothing the world can do. There is no law that can stop the move of God. There's no politician, political power, nation, military, or opposition that can stop Jesus. He is the roaring lion. He's on the move, and he wants us to be united around his word. So today I want to encourage you, stick and stay. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Before we go back into the conclusion of this wonderful message, uh, as we ex- examine the writings of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, I want to extend to you an opportunity, the greatest opportunity that one friend can extend to another. If you've not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today I want to encourage you to do so. I want you to trust in him for your salvation. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Trust in him for the repair of your life. Trust in him to uh, guide you and lead you in his will. All of these things are reasons to trust in Jesus and to follow him. So if you've not done so yet, I want to encourage you to do so. And not only that, I want to wrap my arms around you. Our entire ministry does to help you to take your next step in your journey with Jesus. What does it mean to trust in him? It's to simply confess that that's repentance, your sin and your need for salvation, and to put your faith in the fact that he and he alone provides that salvation. If that's you, I want you to call this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Let's go back into the message. And praise God for the foolishness of the cross. Because the cross sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing, but it really is wisdom. Let's read further, if you will. It says here in verse number 21, But since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through uh, wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He goes on to say, for Jews demand signs and Greeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is Paul at his rhetorical best saying that God's foolishness, in quotation marks, is wiser than men's wisdom. God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. That when you think about God's wisdom, it is the only power to save us and unite us. We believe that God is the greatest being ever. How many believe that? That God is the greatest being ever. Well, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense for the greatest being to demonstrate the greatest ethic? And what is the greatest ethic? It is love. And wouldn't it make sense that the greatest being demonstrating the greatest ethic would do it in the greatest way? And what is the greatest way to demonstrate the greatest ethic of love? It is through 
through self-sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest being showed the greatest ethic in the greatest way, so that you and I might live. And if we are wise enough to heed the message of the cross and to follow him, then and only then will we know unity, love, and salvation. And that unity has the power to reach the world, to transform nations, to restore broken families, to heal marriages that are crumbling right before your eyes. It is when you and I see the beauty of the cross, the God who offended no one, sent his son who committed no sin to die for us who were guilty and undeserving of his mercy and grace. And if you and I could grasp that and receive that love and be empowered by his spirit to give a love that is foreign to us and beyond our ability to manufacture, then not only can we be saved, but so can those who seem so far from Jesus. So can those who have offended us and wounded us And friends, this is the message of the gospel, that your salvation is not an end unto itself, but is a means to a greater end. God, show you mercy so that you can show mercy. God, show you grace so that you can show grace. God has blessed us so that we might be a blessing. So let's choose wisdom. Let's not follow the emptiness and the foolishness of the philosophies of this world, but let's follow Jesus. Amen? Everybody stand with me this morning. And as we stand, the message that is set before us is have you received his grace? Have you surrendered your heart to him? Have you received his love? And if you have not done that, do that today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You are good and worthy of our praise. Father, we thank you that you have put to to naught the, the wisdom of men you've exalted the wisdom that comes from you alone. So, Father, we pray that we would walk in that wisdom and that you would help us to be united in these difficult days, in our families, in our homes, in our church. And, Lord, as we witness to a world that desperately needs your salvation, we love you, Jesus. And it's in the matchless name of Christ we pray. And all God's people with a loud voice said, Amen and amen. Come on and give God praise. Well, praise God. I hope that that message stirred your heart and encouraged you. We are called, brothers and sisters, we're called to leave the world behind and to trust Jesus. Now, by leave the world behind, it doesn't mean that we're not active in the world. It means that we're no longer going to live like we used to live, as if there is no God. But today, we're going to pledge to live to the glory of God, to live for Christ and him alone. So can you do me a favor today? Just if you have not yet done so, go to your social media page and share this program. Let others know so that they too can be reminded of the joy of following Jesus. Also, if we've been a blessing to you, why don't you find out more about the program? Go to equipradio.org. That's equipped radio.org 
equippedradio.org there you can find out all about our ministry listen to past programs and i hope become a partner we'd love for you to do that you can partner with us two ways go to equip radio or call 888-644-4144 whatever you do know this i can't wait till we're together again next time until then remember equip with chris brooks is a production of moody radio a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.